Hi, and welcome to this bonus episode of the ARC Audio Book Club. In anticipation of our upcoming episode of The Story of the Eye, where Jon Auengrim will talk about the book. Louise is super excited about this, so I'll let you do the introduction. Yes, we have gotten a hold of Jon Auengrim, who is a philosopher from the initiative Swartznak. Jon has written a piece called Erectile Eyes which he is reading. The Bataille readings are performed by Stine St. Kolskov. Jon is also involved with the theater group Lotion, who are doing an experimental theater piece inspired by Story of the Eye, their tour starting in May in different Danish cities and theaters. We will provide the info and relevant links on our Facebook page. So hit us up at facebook.com slash artbookscph. So from there, have a good listen. But finally, Simone left me, grabbed the beautiful eyeball from the hands of the tall Englishman, and with a staid and regular pressure from her hands, she slid it into her slobbery flesh, in the midst of the fur. And then she promptly drew me over, clutching my neck between her arms and smashing her lips on mine so forcefully that I came without touching her, and my cum shot all over her fur. Now I stood up, And while Simone lay on her side, I drew her thighs apart and found myself facing something I imagined I had been waiting for in the same way that a guillotine waits for a neck to slice. I even felt as if my eyes were bulging from my head, erectile with horror. In Simone's hairy vagina, I saw the warm blue eye of Marcel gazing at me through tears of urine. Streaks of cum in the steaming hair help give that dreamy vision a disastrous sadness. The author Charles Bataille's notoriously infamous erotic masterpiece Story of the Eye culminates when our perverted hero strangles a priest to death whilst the heroine Simone rides his cock. As he dies he shoots his now desecrated cum inside her. He becomes a solid martyr of the sacred in the double meaning of the word which pertains to both the holy and the abject aspects of existence, the pure and the dirty. Desire is redeemed when death coincides with the culmination of our perverted hero's erotic endeavor. Earlier in the story, the misfortunate girl Marcel hangs herself. And when our hero tears out the priest's eye and places it in Simone's cunt, it is precisely Marcel's gaze that meets their eyes. According to Bataille, erotism is ascending to life up to the point of death. But what kind of gaze can sully the sacred and unite the erotic vitality with the abyss of death? What kind of view is revealed when we place the eye in the body's cavities? When desire is met and death occurs? What beholds an eye which, surrounded by constellations of cum, is dissolved in tears of urine? Bataille wrote the story under the pseudonym Lot Auch, which in itself boded the scandalizing character of the work. It combines the word Lord, meaning God and Master, with the contraction of the French saying, Oswald, which basically means to the toilet. Lord Auch, in other words, is the God who solids and befouls the world, thus embracing the double meaning of the word sacred, as already mentioned. The book is divided in three parts, all of them culminating in death. At first, we meet the two lovers, the narrator and Simone, 
They have an erotic and perverse awakening together early on. They involve the tormented Marcel, who in the end of the first part commits suicide. In the second part, they team up with the rich, voyeuristic libertine Sir Egmont. Together, they are spectators of a bullfight, which climaxes in the violent, eye-gouging death of the Metador, Ole, which coincides with the erotic climax of Simone, who injects her bull's balls into her body openings. In the third and last part, the perverted trio has traveled to Seville. They visit the church where the repentant Don Juan lies buried. There, they perform a diabolic black mass, culminating in the death of the young priest. However, our perverted heroes aren't really the story's fulcrum, as Roland Barthes notes in The Metaphor of the Eye. It is rather the eye which, during the story, is presented in various metonymic incarnations. It runs through at least two trails. The first trail is the eye as impenetrable object, as form, egg, sun, a bull's ball, a cat's eye, a plate, and so on. The next trail is the eye as dissolved object, as tears, egg white and yolk, sperm, piss, milk, the sunbeams, the Milky Way, cosmic vapors, as the vast, starry universe itself. These metonymic trails are combined metaphorically. Tears are sucked from the eye, as was it from a breast. The sun's urinary liquefaction of the sky. At the linguistic level, it is surely true that the story of the eye is exploring the tremulous quality of a number of objects, uh, as Bart notes. And in that respect, he might have a point when he writes that everything takes place on the surface. However, this constant exploration of the tremulous quality of the erotic object that the metonymic displacement designates also points to the world and life itself seen as parody, as Bataille writes in Solar Anus. Everyone is aware that life is parodic and that it lacks an interpretation. Thus lead is the parody of gold, air is the parody of water, the brain is the parody of the equator, coitus is the parody crime. One might say in the spirit of Bataille that the erotic object is a parody of what it really seeks to attain, death, intimacy and community. To delve into this we need to adopt the perspective of Lord Auch, an erotic and perverse perspective who solids the entire world. Beyond the eyes as object and dissolved object we need to address the gaze with all its blind spots. Let us thus move on to what I call erotic perspectivism. Each being is distinct from all others. His birth, his death, the events of his life may have an interest for others, but he alone is directly concerned with them. He is born alone, he dies alone. Between one being and another there is a gulf, a discontinuity. There is an abyss between us. The erotic longing is, according to Bataille, the wish to bridge the gap between us and the world, to experience intimacy, continuity and communication. Erotism is not to be viewed as sexual reproduction, something with a telos, a goal, or under the guise of functionality. Rather, it implies the transgression of our own discontinuity and thus our individuality in a motion towards intimacy. 
To engage in erotism, in other words, implies exposition and nakedness, where the individuality is being put at risk and is stripped in a sense. When the erotic gesture corresponds to an invitation and openness in the other, it doesn't violate our being, well, not necessarily. However, if it doesn't, it is to be considered as a violation and it might shatter you. If we are to take the erotic gesture to the extreme, it opens the abyss as a wound that might swallow us, but over which we might also do, an, uh, do a vital erotic transitory dance that is ascending to life up to the point of death. The paradoxical is an implicit part of erotism that mirrors the basic discord in the heart of existence from which erotism flows. Desire is directed toward a representation of the desired, an image of the coveted. This representation orients the desire's direction and nurtures the erotic interest. Herein lies the paradoxical character of erotism. It maintains the representation as object for its subject, which in turn upholds the distance to the coveted, and thus it maintains the individual in his or her discontinuous being. In addition, the one who desires shackles the other in the chains of representations. The erotic representation has a Janus face, so to speak, a double character. It nurtures the erotic desire, which aim lies beyond the discontinuous individuality, and at the same time it maintains the individual in its discontinuity by fixating the distance to the coveted. However, the real aim of the desire is not the image, the representation, but rather to transgress the image and thus to overcome the distance, to reach beyond the image in intimate participation and communication or violent turmoil. In that respect, the representation is both distance and opening, image and abyss, impenetrable object and the promise of an object dissolved, in tears and piss, sperm and the like. The image thus reflects the inner discord as an outer phenomenon. In the first place you should know that everything with a manifest face also possesses a hidden one. To summarize in a somewhat simple fashion, man is divided, it seeks to overcome the division and experience states of continuity, ecstasy, intimacy and communication. This implies a transgression of individuality. To overcome one's own discontinuity, we orient ourselves toward an object of desire, which both maintains the distance to the coveted and represents an opening and wound. The desire and the image both interpenetrate each other and derive their individual character from this dynamic interplay. Thus, perspectivism is an integral part of erotism. The image and the individual derives the character from the applied perspective, in other words, from the eye's gaze. But we must go further still. We must reach beyond the object, the egg, the white out of the eyes, the firm shapes, the impenetrable object. We need to seek out the blind spots, the dissolution of the eyes in tears, piss, cum, yolk, egg white, astral sperm and heavenly urine to the world of objects redeemed in a cosmic outpouring flux. This outpouring marks an opening towards the abyss as well as the starry sky. The abyss might swallow us, but it might allow us to flow among the cosmic vapors and becoming stars. 
I stretched out in the grass, my skull on a large flat rock, and my eyes staring straight up at the Milky Way, that strange breach of astral sperm and heavenly urine across the cranial vault formed by the ring of constellations. That open crack of the summit in the sky, apparently made of ammoniacal vapors shining in the immensity, in empty space where they burst forth absurdly like a rooster's crow in total silence. A broken egg, a broken eye, or my own dazzled skull weighing down the rock, bouncing symmetrical images back to infinity. The gaze of which I speak isn't the castrated look of epistemology, but rather the eyes placed in the body, which can be torn out, the gaze that interprets, objectivizes, and that can be dissolved in an outpouring. As our perverted heroes have strangled the priest, they tear out his eyes and places it in turn in Simone's ass and cunt from where it cries tears of urine. But Zaya thus places the eye in the body and the sex, and thereby he addresses a truth we normally exclude or suppress. Your face is noble. It has the truth of the eyes through which you know the world. But your hairy parts under your dress have no less truth than your mouth. We can understand this strain of thought if we turn to some concepts that he developed later in his thinking. The homogeneous order and the heterogeneous states. The homogeneous order is the world that we have taken into possession and made orderly. It is the world we have rationalized, machined, organized. According to Nietzsche, it is the world that we have taken into possession through fiction and conceptual construction. It is the world of work, rationality, production, and lies. Furthermore, is the plane of the individual, who sees itself as a distant from a world, a world of objects, a world as an outer phenomena. In a minimal sense, as a subject in a world of objects, where certain objects are so strange that they also seem to be subjects, which already is enough to disrupt and thus mark an instability in the homogeneous order. The heterogeneous, on the other hand, is the plane of excess, of exuberance, the sacred, expenditure, and so on. That is, that which cannot be utilized in homogeneous order, be it the wasteful expenditure, champagne, or excrement. This is to be taken quite literary. When we ingest food, for instance, we utilize whatever we can digest, but our body has a limited economy, and whatever it cannot consume, the excess energy, it must discard and excrete. Everything which cannot be utilized in this process, everything unnecessary, be it the joys of the consumption or the excrements, does not fit into the homogeneous order. Well, some of it might be accepted to the extent that it does not disrupt the order in any mentionable way. To take a shit once in a while is acceptable and hard to get around. But a festival of shit would surely disrupt the homogeneous order and thus expose the limits that uphold this very order. Now, what the eye placed in the body reveals is the limit, the limit that invites to transgression and thus disrupts and tears the homogeneous order. It reveals to the uncastrated eye the dirty, the taboo that can invoke both terror and lust. The taboo marks the limit between the homogeneous and the heterogeneous states. Transgression of the taboo puts the very stability of the homogeneous order and thus individuality at risk. The law of the taboo has a different character 
than, say, the traffic law, that is, laws that regulate a certain praxis within the homogeneous order. The taboo marks the limit that puts the entire order at risk, and seeing that erotism is invariably tied to transgression of the individual, taboo and erotism is invariably tied together, no matter how hard we aim to normalize the erotic. The desired object as image is at the limit between the homogeneous and the heterogeneous states. Just like sacred relics, totems, religious symbols and fetishes. They invite to participation which demands transgression, just like an abbess invites one to jump. These kind of objects are in other words very curious objects, a kind of heterogeneous objects, which is a paradox in itself. They still wear the garments of outer phenomena, but they undress and destabilize the homogeneous order if the invitation to transgression is met. The transgression negates the homogeneous order, brings it out of discord. Death, obviously, is the absolute negation of our individuality and thus also of the homogeneous order. But intoxication, terror, sacred ecstasy, violent rage, orgasmic highs puts the very order at risk. Transgresses the garment of the world as out of phenomena, undresses and penetrates reality. And isn't that the aim of the sewer? The Uber of Surahom, Übermensch, the Uber of Surrealism, Überrealität. Whether we speak of Labatimor or Lagrammor, it both designates an eruption of the homogeneous order, the first momentarily, the other absolute. With all this in mind, we might grasp what type of object the eye, the egg, the bull's ball, and so on is. They are heterogeneous objects, totems, but they seem absurd, death, hollow, impenetrable, since they are not yet redeemed through transgression. This becomes clear when Marcel dies. Her lifeless body seems strange and alien. Especially the open eyes that doesn't even dignify Simone's frustrating attempt to evoke a reaction as she pisses on her dead gaze. Simone, described as being truly incapable of conceiving death. Bataille here reveals something fundamental about erotism, namely how the perverse potential is tied to the appreciation of the erotic image, but that it even for the perverted must be tied to an anticipation of inner life behind the representation, that everything with a manifest face also possesses a hidden one. We know this from Makitasat as well. A certain libertine places a contraption that magnifies the cries of his victim, so as to, in the process of transgressing her, the very outcries marks the victim's subjectivity, thereby affirming the process of transgression. As long as we remain on the surface, as long as we maintain the objects, the representation as an outer phenomenon, alone, our gaze is perverted. This regards the Puritan, who cannot see beyond the representation, and thus confuses the real aim of the desire. Or the Puritan, who reacts with horror when confronted with the abyss, and thus shuns it. It regards the perverted, whose desire is tied to the formal aspect of the coloured, its objective features, its systematic structure. One might say, it's systematic, 
It's automatic. It screeches lightning. There is no intrinsic perverted quality in the egg or the eye. The gaze alone, Lodauk's perverted perspectivism that places the eye in the ass and then in the cunt, shackles the object in the chains of perversion. Erotism entails perspectivism, and insofar as we are sincere, we cannot deny the potential for perversion as an essential part of erotism. We must refuse, as Bataille did, to avert our gaze from the darker sides of existence and from the abyss. Not only do the wholly beautiful and legitimate exceptions break the homogeneous order, we must embrace the dirty and darker aspects of existence and the sacred as well. Insofar as we refuse to let our eyes castrate, we must embrace transgression and not only transcendence. Bataille considered himself in direct communication with the radical thoughts and perspectivism of Nietzsche. Nietzsche proposes a formula for himself, whereby he would become one of those who makes things beautiful. I want to learn more and more to see as beautiful what is necessary in things. Then I shall be one of those who make things beautiful. Amor Fati, let that be my love henceforth. The love of our perverted heroes are quite different. To others, the universe seems decent because decent people have gelded eyes. That is why they fear lewdness. They are never frightened by the crowing of a rooster or when strolling under a starry heaven. In general, people savour the pleasures of the flesh only on condition that they be insipid. But as of then, no doubt existed for me. I did not care for what is known as pleasures of the flesh because they really are insipid. I cared only for what is classified as dirty. On the other hand, I was not even satisfied with the usual debauchery because the only thing it dirtied is debauchery itself. While, in some way or another, anything sublime and perfectly pure is left intact by it. My kind of debauchery soils not only my body and my thoughts, but also anything I may conceive in its course, that is to say, the vast, starry universe which merely serves as a backdrop. In the blue of noon we are presented with the character Dirty. Inspired by Nietzsche, the parodic character of life and the erotic perspectivism, one could uh, rewrite and pervert Nietzsche's formula. The incantation would sound thus. I want to learn more and more to see as beautiful what is dirty in things. Then I shall be one of those who sully things. Amor dirty, let that be my love henceforth.